was raised on the mean streets of London, Ontario. He's traveled the world in search of the perfect coaching gig. He loves three things. Canadian Jubes, the Land Rover Defender, and UVA. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Pete Watson Show. All right, all right. So I couldn't resist. We all miss the Rob Watson show. And when Pete Watson, a member of the family and the cross-country coach at UVA, agreed to be on the show, well, you know. He joins us a little bit later in the episode. First up, though, on today's episode, John LaFranco. He's the off-track manager at Athletics Canada. He's going to be joining us to talk about the Canadian 5K Road Champs in Yorkville on September 10th. That's all coming up. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Twitter and Instagram. A Tracky Radio production. It's a Canadian distance fan's dream. Stacked fields full of Olympians and national team members facing off over five kilometers on the roads in the nation's largest city. That's exactly what's happening September 10th in the Yorkville 5K as elite fields watched over by Megan Brown face off in what will serve as the national championships in the event. To get an insight on the event, off-track manager at AC, John LaFranco, chatted with us earlier in the week about this very event. All right, the Canadian Road Championships are happening September 10th in Toronto. Uh, The press release was out this week, and let me tell you, that roster looks really, really stacked. Take a look at the caliber of the field. Um, You know, how does this rank, you know, compared to some some previous years? Uh, I think... You know, the, the women's race is, is, is really stacked, I think. Um, I mean, I think we, we have basically the top three, uh, you know, 5K women in Canada that are going to be there. Um, Andrea Scaffi and Jess O'Connell and, and Sasha Golish. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it is sort of coming off the, the summer racing season. So, you know, these athletes may have taken a, a bit of a break or, or they're just, you know, kind of transitioning. So, don't know necessarily how fast it's going to go, but you know, with the three of them all being very competitive, um, you know, I'm sure it's going to be a fun race to watch. And and there's also uh, the McDougal sisters are in there, and and you know they're obviously uh, quite good. Well, they're in an absolute sense, they're very good. But you know, for for their age, so I think they may be knocking on the door as well. And um, yeah, so it's the the women's race is just going to be. Uh, really exciting, I think. Um, on the men's side, it's, uh, it, you know, obviously Cam, Cam Levins is a big name. And, um, you know, I think what we can gather from this is that, you know, Cam, we've seen Cam's been, been doing races and, and, and that in his, in his comeback. And it's, it's great to see. I, you know, I haven't spoken to him specifically about this, but I don't think that he would, you know, enter in a Canadian championship uh, if he didn't feel like he was, you know, ready to, to challenge for the win. So I think, you know, we're probably not going to see vintage uh, 13, you know, 15 Cam Levins here, but I think, um, you know, he's, he's well on his way to returning to form. Um, Ross Proudfoot, just, uh, we just added him to the field, and I think that he's, you know, given given where Cam might be and, and where Ross usually is, uh, he might give him a, a good run as well. Um you know, and then after that, the, the guys like Jer- uh, Jeremy Kugler was at. I was at Franklin Games with him. He's a great guy, and um, kind of up and comer. He just finished school in uh, in Illinois, so he's you know in that in that kind of transition to post collegiate phase. So I think 
you know, he's someone to watch where he may be able to make kind of a big jump in the next couple of years. Um, and, you know, he's got a decent, a decent speed time or a seed time. Uh, and Tristan Woodfine, Evan Asselink are two guys that are, you know, uh, very good, uh, very good distance runners for, for Canada. And so, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's, uh, it's good. I'm excited. Uh, I, I noticed when I was reading, um, you know, there's, there's a big prize purse, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, but something else that was kind of interesting was for the Canadian 5k land record bonus, you get an extra $2,500 if you get it. Um, yeah. taking a look at those records, I noticed what happened last year with, uh, with CPT going 1404.6, uh, women's mm-hmm. record 1548, which, you know, that that's, they're both very, very, um, difficult marks to reach, but taking a look at some of uh, the competitors and stuff, what do you think? Do you think that those records are in danger of going down this year? Oh, I think there's a grave, grave danger, yes. I do. Um, you know, again, like with Cam, um, it, it's hard to say, you know, with the Road 5K and stuff where he's going to be exactly, but I know he he mentioned having gone through um, 5k in one of his recent 10k races in sort of 14:10, and then I think he kind of shut it down for the rest. So I think, I think he's, you know, he's going to be able to to do that. Obviously, it's not easy in any sense, but but I think he's got a really good chance. And you know, like I said, uh, I I don't I can't I can't really handicap it like between uh, Sakafi and O'Connell and Gullish. Like I don't know, but I think any one of those three. Uh, could run that. I mean, their their track times are significantly faster. So again, it's a matter of where are they in their in their build up right now, um, and you know, are they going to push the pace and battle each other, or or is it, are they going to kind of think about you know, I want to try to get that first place money um, rather than go fast. But I think because there are three of them, and and you know, and Sarah Inglis is in there as well. She's not Canadian, but she's Canadians would know her from running. Um, uh, in the, uh, in the, what do they call it now? U sports, um, cross country championships and track. So, you know, she could mix things up in there. And I mentioned the McDougal's also. Um, so I think it should be a fast race. I think it'll be fast. And the start is fast, right? Cause it's downhill. Well, it's not, it, it's a flat course in the sense of the profile. It starts and finishes at the same elevation, but the, the start is, is pretty quick down, uh, down Bay street. Um, and the, the uphill is not like it's, it's tough cause it kind of happens at that tough part of the race, you know, between three and four K. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think because of that, you know, if you're going for it, you're, you're not really slowing down much because of the uphill. You're just, you know, you're gutting it out at that point anyway. So I don't think that it's going to slow things down too much. So, I mean, if I, if I were to make a bold prediction, I think both records could go down. I'm not going to, you know, say who's going to do it on the women's side. Cause, cause yeah, that could, could be any, any one of those three. So, I mean, you you mentioned it there, but going back to that prize purse, do you think it'll have any effect on that race? You know, maybe people who decide to play more to their strengths slow it down, or people just you know just going you know start to finish as fast as they can. Well, it's interesting. Like to focus again on the women's race, I you know, I and I I don't know the particular training habits of those three women, and I don't necessarily know what you know, what they think their strengths are. But if you look at like Sasha Gorish has just such amazing range, like she's run four Oh eight and she's run a one twelve half. So I don't know, you know what, what the strategy would be to, 
beat Sasha Gorlish in a in a strategic race because she's got the strength and she's got the wheels. Um, you know, I haven't seen Jessica O'Connell run a 1500, um, you know, or I can't think of like, I don't, you know, follow the results so, so close because then it's an off event for them to run a 15 for, uh, for Andrea Sakafin also, but they're running, you know, at, at a high level and you got to be able to finish in, you know, in, in a fast time. Um, so, None of those women lack for speed. None of them lack for endurance. I, yeah, like I think it's going to be fast just because of that. And I think that, but the the way it's an interesting conversation about about how you know putting money out there can can affect the the way the race is run. And I think that putting the the prize purse for that record time is a good way to uh, ensure that things go fast. And this race has been fast in the past. Like we haven't really gotten too many strategic races in this one. There's always somebody who, you know, kind of takes it up. So I, th- I think it's going to be quick. Again, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, you are in fact also, a, you know, a fairly reputable coach, a very reputable coach, I, I should say. Um, and in fact, I saw that you actually have at least one athlete uh, who's on the elite list, uh, you know, yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, what, what are you saying about the course? You know, how, what kind of strategies are you saying uh, for your athlete to get the most out of them on this race course? Well, I, I, the course itself, I think, like I mentioned, it's downhill and then it's uphill. Uh, with Kathleen, so you mentioned Kathleen Brown, she's really an 800, 1500 specialist. So this is really part of her kind of strength season. Um, and, uh, and, you know, she's just kind of coming off a break and stuff like that. So I think, the, the goal here is, is going to be to just kind of, you know, get, get in the mix and just try to go for a long effort, you know, and just try to keep your effort. Um, I mean, as you would in a, in a 5k, I think you, you got to kind of increase the re- the effort as you go. And hopefully that keeps your splits fairly even. Um, I, you know, depending, I, it would depend on the athlete. What's what, you know, what I would suggest. Like, I think if you're, if you're in the kind of like, top third of the field and you're hoping to maximize your position, you got to think about keeping everything, everybody in sight, but you also don't want to overdo it because if you're, you know, one of the weaker of that top group, you're going to hurt. You're going to pay for it more than the other ones are. So, you know, it, it sort of depends. Your strategy is going to depend on, on what you're, goal is and and how you're trying to get there you know if you're trying to run a certain time then you you know you jump on the train and 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 hopefully that is going to pull you there if you're trying to sneak into one of those money positions then then you you might you know be hold back a little bit more and just keep your eyes open and see and then try to take people down in in the last half whereas if you're going for time maybe you're not as worried if you get past in the last k as long as you feel like you've maximized your your work over the whole course i'm talking to john lafranco right now he's the off-track manager what a funny title um for athletics canada (laughs) does that mean that you're just constantly off track you know no one knows what they're going to get from john on on any given day maybe i try to manage all the other people who are off track manager of off track folks no it refers to road running and uh and trail running so that it was kind of before i was the road running coordinator but we realized that road running was a bit of a limiting kind of 
you know, term for what I was, who I was working with. So we went with off track, which is sort of the official IAAF like designation for anything that's not on the track. So yeah, in uh, in in French, it's better. In French, it's uh, I believe it's off stade, which is like outside of the stadium. Oh okay, that kind of sounds cooler, I think. Mm-hmm. But anyway. The thing with road racing is that, uh, you know, it ex- it enjoyed a really extended growth period. I think it was something like 15 years of growth or something like that. It seems to have mm-hmm. plateaued a little bit now, talking to some, you know, local race directors anyways. Do you think that that growth was mirrored in the elite population? Um, or, or do you think the elite population was kind of doing its own thing? I do think there was... a bit of mirroring and I think there are a number of factors like I would say that the uh, the the rise of, of social media um, enabled people to to know what other people are doing and it, it has an effect of like well if they can do that I can do that um, I think that I mean I've seen we ever had two men in the 5,000 meter final at the world championships before um, mm-hmm. Not to not to say that that has anything directly to do with the rise of the you know road running uh, population, but I think that the sport has has grown, and we have more people at that kind of you know what to call it sub elite level. I guess like I would say like to be honest, you know, in this race that we've got, like Cam Levens is elite, and the three women are elite, and and Ross is. Uh, you know, Ross hasn't made a, an Olympics, but, you know, he's very close. And then the other runners I would call, you know, sub-elite, if you're talking about the real international stage. The McDougals are elite because they're they're younger. Um, and everyone else is, is kind of like, and, but we have more of those people. Like, just look at, I mean, McDougals, but then the other group, from the other girls from Kingston, Cleo Boyd, Julian Stolly, and we know Victoria Coates did train uh, in, in that group for a while. Um you know, that group there makes up a significant part of the field. And, and that, that's just a really good example of the level of runner that is now, um, there are more of them now. And that's going to, I think, lead to more, you know, real elite runners uh, in, in the future. And on the roads, I think it, there are more races, there are more opportunity. And, and road race directors are, are using every, you know, kind of trick to try to, you know, get more, more runners out. And, and, the motivations for putting on road races tend to, to vary. You know, some people get into it because they have a charity that they want to they want to support, um, and other people, you know, really into the sport or, or just health in general. And I think they see that if, if they can bring in top athletes to run that are that are known, um, then that's going to you know have a positive impact on their mission, whatever whether that's more people in their race, but also just getting more people out running. Like great example. Um, you know, as Lanny Marchand, who is an elite runner, um, you know, uh, Olympi- Olympian and, and everything, despite her, she's uh, obviously was injured this year and it didn't quite work out. But, but she's a perfect example of someone who's an elite runner who's gone to these races and is recognized by the running population as, as someone to aspire to where I think before maybe you, you wouldn't have had that connection. You wouldn't have thought like, oh yeah, I can be like, like an elite runner. And I don't think people think I can be as fast as Lanny Marchand, but I think they see like, okay, like there's, there's work to be done. We like to work hard and, and have fun running. And it seems like, you know, Lanny works really hard and, and has fun 
as well, and it's just a sort of a difference of of degree rather than a difference of kind. I noticed that um, this year, as opposed to a couple of years ago, um, the standards to get into that championship race have uh, have loosened a little bit. Um, I believe at one point it was 18 flat to get into the race. Uh, if I'm looking at the standards now, it looks like you know a 19 flat will get you into the race. What was the what was the thought behind that? Um. So you're looking at the, the the master's component. Yeah, I should mention that. So the, the elite entry standards are 1730 and 1530 for women and men, respectively. Uh, that's for sort of our, like, a Athletics Canada championships, um, you know, that are basically the, the, the open uh, championships. So we also have um, the, the Canadian Masters championships, and the standards there are by, you know, by kind of age group. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're not a master's athlete, you're under, uh, you're under 35 and yeah, it's 19 minutes for men and it's 21 minutes for women. Um, and then there are standards for different age groups for men and women, 35 and up and five, five year increments. But, but, you know, the goal there is just to, I think, set a, a standard that's, that's, uh, challenging, but achievable. And, uh, you know, and I think you get people excited about, you know, having something to, to reach. Um, certainly it's not at the level of the whole like Boston qualifier thing. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's something to strive for. And I think that's what, that's what attracts people to running. Um, as much as a lot of people say, you know, yeah, I'm recreational and then this and that, but like, you know, you talk to people about their PBs and they always want to get better. That's, they want to get better and for themselves, you know, it's not competition with like, I want to beat my friend, although that is, <laughs> is a common, uh, a common motivator as well, I would say. Uh, but, but it's really like, you know, okay, I'm here and how can I get better for myself? Um, so I think those standards are, are a function of that. Um, what they are, whether it's 18 or 19 minutes, to be honest, I think it doesn't really, it doesn't change too much in terms of the number of people we're bringing in. Like I think there's about 130 registered for the, the age group and masters championships right now. Um, you know, so that's a decent size, uh, and, and it says 19, but that doesn't mean that there are, you know, uh, there aren't, you know, 17 minute, 18 minute 5k guys who are in there who just signed up that way. Right. For sure. For sure. And you know, there's, there's not just one way to enjoy this race. Of course, if you want to go out and, and watch some fantastic, uh, runners who will be running this race, um, you know, in your professional opinion, where, where should they be going? You know, what's, what's the best part of the course to go and, and watch this thing? Uh, it's, it's, it's hard. Uh, if you're not super mobile, like you could watch the start on, uh, I'm just trying to open the map here. Like if you, if you watch the start on, on you, uh, just North of Yorkville, you can watch the start and then you can shoot across Yorkville Avenue and get to the 4k mark. Uh, but then if you get to the 4K mark, are you going to get to the um, the finish back to see the finish? I'm not sure. So it's a little hard in that sense. But uh, I would I would hang around the finish because this is I'm breaking news right now. This is uh, this is like a, an exclusive uh, scoop for the Terminal Mile podcast. Woo-hoo. But uh, our our finish line announcer is going to be none other than the Canadian soil record holder Chuck PT himself. Uh, so he's going to be doing the finish line announcing. He's just not ready in his preparations to run right now so but he's going to be in town and he's agreed to uh to take the mic at the finish so that'll be exciting and fun 
um, to uh, to hear him call the race. So if you hang around the finish, you'll hear Chuck. And uh, and what a treat he he always is. I I think we've had him on the show at least once, anyways. And uh, like I said, always always a treat to hear. Definitely going to want to be there for that. Uh, for for any last details um, or people who want to check you out on on you know your various social platforms, where can they go and do that, John? Um, well, for information on the race, uh, YorkvilleRun.com. Um, uh, athletics.ca and uh, the uh, the Athletics Canada app are good ways to follow as well. Um, frankly, I don't really use my Twitter account or anything, so I mean, you just look up my name on Facebook and send me a Facebook message, and I'm happy to chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, um, yeah, just the race website and athletics.ca and and the uh, Athletics Canada app for all your Canadian Championship needs. He's John LaFranco. He's the off-track manager for Athletics Canada. He is also a coach in his own right. I believe you do some some online stuff as well. Do you, do you not, as far as coaching goes? Yeah, I do. I, I coach. Uh, I can make it sound really good. I coach. Uh, I coach people in Australia, California, um, New York, uh, New Brunswick. So it's kind of there's a range there, and and some you know some pretty high. Like I, I think I don't know if you. Um, she's come up on your podcast or whatever, but Shelly Doucette, who ran at the World Mount Running uh, Long Course and also won the Franklin Games Marathon, I'm, I'm her personal coach, um, and she lives in New Brunswick and, and that. But, I, you know, I also coach, uh, I coach uh, uh, some, like, for example, an older woman uh, who lives in rural Ontario and just, you know, just wants to run and, and loves to run and wants to get better, just like I was saying. She just wants to get better and, and do so by running, so... So I coach her too, and you know she's like plus two hour half marathoner. So I don't, I mean I like I, I think it's pretty it's pretty straightforward and simple. Like I I don't discriminate between how fast you are. If uh, when when I coach people, it's just where are you now? How do we get faster? So. Well, he was here today to talk about the uh, Canadian 5K Championships happening in Yorkville. Uh, of course, in the bigger city of Toronto, and that'll be going down on September 10th. Be sure to check out the website for for more details. Should be a really, really great race. Thanks a lot for being on the show this week, uh, John. Thanks for having me. Like I said, it's a lifelong dream come true. In my opinion, P. Watson may be one of the best Canadian distance coaches out there right now. He currently coaches the cross team and is a track coach at the very successful UVA. He was also responsible for coaching two of the three Canadian men, Brandon Lord and Pete's younger brother Rob, at the last World Half Marathon Championships. We caught up with him earlier this week, just before the cross season truly gets underway. So the first question I think on everyone's mind is... uh, Where's Brandon Lord? What what happened to him? <laughs> Brandon Lord uh, was too smart and destined to be too successful to uh, to keep running. Um, you know, he, he moved up to Las Vegas to work for Caesars. Um, I think he had dreams of continuing to run, but uh, he's got a he's got a he's got a real world job. He's doing really well for himself, and. Um, yeah, that's what a master's degree at uh, University of Virginia gets you. It gets you a fast track to adulthood. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. So all this week I've been, uh, you know, on the social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, there's been all sorts of photos and videos of teams going to their respective training camps and stuff. And I've seen some really nice pictures on your own account uh, as well, too. Uh, does UVA, do they do the training camp thing? Uh, like the, you know, going to exotic or, you know, remote places? No, we actually stay in Charlottesville. Uh, we got great places to run. I really like having the boys come back a couple days early and actually be in their own environment and get to get to bond rather than, you know, kind of forcing them in a cabin and everyone's out of their element. I think the new guys coming in and seeing what the older guys do every day, it, uh, it helps their transition a little bit better. And it, It's a long year of, of, the, of the guys being on the road, of the coaches being on the road. I think just, you know, staying home and getting to get in the routine right off the bat, it really helps everybody here. So we're just fortunate we got great places to run and, you know, we, we don't have to go get out of town to for, for something because, you know, frankly, it's pretty hard to find somewhere better to, to go than where we are. So you've got everyone together. Um, you know, what is typically the first workout that you guys run? Like, what is is there one that one go to that you go to every single year? You know, just get the all the we, all the rookies and seniors to run the same thing. You know, it's crazy. This year we we've actually been a little bit more patient. We haven't worked out yet. Uh, so we're going into our third week. Um, our schedule is a little uh, more relaxed this year early. Um, Panorama Farms, our big meet in September, is a little, a little bit more low-key, so we aren't going to really line up until Wisconsin. Um, so we've just been doing, you know, long run, midweek 14-mile run at like 525, 530 pace, um, and then some strides on Friday. But, yeah, we're just taking the first couple of weeks of just uh, doing some doing some volume and, seeing where the boys are and, and taking taking our time uh what we will do though like our first workout back we'll we'll get up on the grass fields and nothing crazy fast but a long time on your feet where we'll run uh five or six by 10 minutes with two minutes jog so yeah you know you're, you're getting 14 miles or so of, of working and then warm up and cool down um those are the early season stuff so we'll go five or six by 10 minutes the next week we'll go like eight by eight minutes uh Something where basically we're going 57 to 62 minutes of, of intervals. Oh, wow. Uh, you, you mentioned the 525 pace long runs. Uh, that almost seems kind of Canova-ish. And that's something that I've always wondered about, you know, with, with Robbie's training. It's always been out there and that sort of stuff. Like, who are the guys that you really, you know, pull stuff from as a coach? Well, I think a lot of it is Dieter Hogan, obviously. You know, I spent, uh, well, I spent four years with Dieter and, uh, and the Kimbia group, uh, in Boulder and Kenya. Um, funny thing, Canova, I've actually, <laughs> I've had some beers with Canova at Curio View in E10 Kenya. And, um, he's a brilliant, brilliant man. And, uh, but him and, and Dieter are very, very similar. Just, you know, just try and build these, build this volume up and, and get really, really strong. And then, you know, with strides, we add some paces in to do something a little bit faster, but lots of just moderately long, um, of grinding sessions is kind of what we've done and what we work on. Um, just lots of general fitness, um, trying to keep the boys healthy, but getting a little bit stronger all the time. So, I mean, that, that's what the cross country strategy is. Do you, do you employ like similar strategies and stuff for indoor track and outdoor track, or do you, you know, switch it up for something a little, a little faster? Yeah, it, it switches. We look at the year in a, in a big thing, obviously. You know, cross country is really important to us, and we—I I don't know—I think we've been like between 13th and 
22nd at the NCAAs every year in the last five or five years or so. Um, but we haven't sold our soul for cross country. Um, you know, for, for us, it's really important to have, have three solid seasons, cross country, indoor and outdoor, and uh, be running really well outdoors at the end. And if you look at University of Virginia right now, it's, I think we're one of three schools, maybe four schools, who finished in the top five of the program of the year the last three years in a row, which basically takes cross-country, indoor, and outdoor finishes at a national meet and golf scores at lowest score. Hmm. Uh, so it's really important that we use cross-country to prepare us to run fast on the track um, because ultimately if you're running fast at the end of outdoor track, then you know it helps for that summer and then into the next cross-country season. Um, here at UVA, we're we're in a little bit of a unique situation is I only have like three admission slots to get kids into school every year. So my team is pretty small. I got 14 or 15 guys. So I got to be a little more conservative and we've been really solid through four guys every fall. And, um, you know, we, we struggle a little bit with, with five, six and seven. I think we got that problem solved. Finally, it's taken, you know, five years, going to six years to get it done. But, um, for us to do what we want to do with the DMR and with milers, um, and get the track result, we haven't really been able to sell our soul to just go cross-country quite yet. So we use cross-country. I guess that's something that I've also wondered about, too. I mean, you look at some pro groups like uh, Schumacher's group, where they say that they, they only really train to peak once a year. Uh, yet you, and I would think that your job is, is based upon getting kids to do really, really good things in three different seasons. How do you prevent, you know, burnout and that sort of stuff? Yeah, well, I think, you know, like I said, I got 14 guys. Um, my coaching is all relationship-based, so I'm always talking with the guys, meeting them on the corner and sitting and having coffees and, and just giving you a feel emotionally where they are, physically where they are. Um, our young boys will never run all three seasons. It's just way too much of a transition for an 18- or 19-year-old boy to come in and and train at that level for, you know, if they're really good and they make cross, they usually register indoors and then they get ready for outdoors. Uh, we did that with our little Australian guy last year and it worked out really well. Uh, we pretty much do that. It's no really running anyone into the ground, I think, until, you know, your fourth or fifth year. And, we'll, and then we'll start racing you a little bit more. But uh, we're, we're pretty cautious. The, the big thing here is, we don't travel a lot, we, but when we do go to meet, we, we go to really high-end meet to, to get a qualifying time, and then all that really matters is, you know, ACCs and the national meet for us. Um, the boys get one good shot indoors, one good shot outdoors to, to set a really nice PR, and then after that, it's about racing. Another thing that I saw on your Instagram account, and, and feel free to feel free to plug any of your social media that, that you'd like as well too, is that uh, is that one of your guys who actually I think might have the greatest running name in the world currently is uh, had that preseason ranking that that was really really good. Uh, maybe talk to me a little bit about Johnny Pace. <laughs> Johnny Pace is awesome. Johnny Pace was just a. Uh little walk-on kid from Northern Virginia, got into Virginia in his own. Super smart kid. Um, he just did an internship in Singapore. Um, I think they took like seven kids in the whole U.S. to, to go to work in, at this company there. I don't even know what it is. I think he'll end up in mergers and acquisitions and hedge funds. Um, he's a brilliant guy. But he's, he's also super serious in his running. And you know, He was a walk-on. I think he was 920s, maybe 930s, two miles. So what's that, like 850 maybe for 3K? Hmm. Uh, yeah, he ran 8.17 for 3K as a, as a true freshman for us indoors. Um, 
last year outdoor, and then we registered him outdoors. He was actually contributing really well for us in cross country last year, and uh, he got a stress fracture in his heel. Uh, could have run outdoors, but we just kind of rested him up. And he's back. He's he's healthy. He's older. He's more mature. Um, I mean, I'll tell you, what, he's a he's a great running mate, but he's a kid who could end up being like the president or something like that. He's uh, he's got it all going for him. Just a, a really nice person and uh, just really really well rounded. So when you when you're looking for guys to to be on your team and stuff. You know, I got to wonder about that as well, too. Do you look at just raw running talent or do you, you know, look for guys who have, you know, a lot of smarts because they might be, you know, a little bit easier of a sell to to get money for? Like, what what are you looking for when when you are recruiting people for your team? Yeah, well, number one, I don't want guys who want to be here. So most of the kids, you know, I'll make a phone call to, you know, the best kids in the country and talk to them. And you know, maybe I got to twist their arm a little bit more, but. It, the depth in the U.S. is just it's silly. Um, you know, between 9.08 and probably 9.15 for two miles, so that's about uh, what, 8.30 and 8.40 for a 3K. Mm. I mean, this is probably an exaggeration or so, but there might be 200 kids like that, maybe 300. Uh, yeah, it's pretty silly. So For me, I, I want those guys, like I'm talking to them and I'm answering their phone calls and but I want the guys who really want to be at UVA and then I kind of bring them in for visits or I go and watch them race and kind of look at what, how they're built and, um, you know, see their mentality. And, um, if, if they're willing to come to UVA for the two things is for the academics and for the running and that's their focus and they aren't going to be knuckleheads. Um, and there's a spot for them if, if they can get into school, um, you know, it's really difficult to get into school here. So, all right, if you look at our roster, a lot of our roster is, um, is Virginia kids because it's a little bit easier for them to get into school, uh, you know, in state rather than out of state. But um, yeah, I'm just looking for I'm looking for guys who, who maybe haven't been in a, in a factory type program where you know year in year out you know those guys are running insanely fast. I'm looking for guys who maybe know how to win um, at that level just below the best kids, um, but then really really want to be at UVA and and I think that's the most important thing. Is, if you really want to be somewhere, you're going to be a lot more motivated to, to be successful and you're going to be happy rather than, you know, sometimes in the recruiting process, kids make the decision because, you know, their arms have been twisted and the coach is really aggressive and they go for the coach rather than for the school and, and what, what's, what's down the road. So before this interview, we were uh, we were talking about uh, Canadianity, I guess you would say, because uh, you, of course, are from, from London, Ontario, and... Uh, let's take this time to, to share to call the office to Tony Lima and that really weird structural beam in front of the stage. But also, <laughs> as, yeah. also I was looking at, at your Instagram account and you were talking about Canadian jujubes, uh, and how much you miss them and, and how they're tough to get, uh, you know, get your hands on. What's the difference between an American jube and a Canadian jube? I don't know. The American ones are just, they're a little tougher and they don't have the flavor. Um, yeah, there's just there's a world of difference. It's, one mom and dad just randomly called me last Sunday, I think, or maybe the Sunday before that, and they'd taken this random road trip from London to a bunch of baseball games and ended up in D.C., so they drove down to see us. Of course, every time my mom comes, she brings my wife and I a bunch of jujubes, and, uh, man, those things are gone in a second. So, <laughs> yeah, we uh, I think I had about two pounds of rubber in my stomach and couldn't have been happier. 
So, you know, the younger brother, uh, Robbie, he is now into the coaching world himself. Um, is, is he calling you up at this point? You know, is, does he give you calls every now and again saying, uh, Hey, what do I do about this person? Or, you know, what do I do in this situation? No, I think Robbie's uh, in a good situation. He's a smart kid. He, he reads a lot. Um, I think the guys, the people he's working with are a little bit different than I guess I have. So, um, you know, maybe I don't relate to the everyday runner quite as well as, as Robbie does. He's, he's really social. He's really into those scenes. Um, he's really, really into running at, on all levels. Um, and he's having fun with it. I probably should talk to Robbie a little bit more. I used to live here with my wife and I all the time for training camps, and it was, and it was great. But um, he's busy, and, and I'm busy, and I'm just it's pretty cool watching him continue to do what he wants to do in the running world after his career is done. You know, I got to do it, and now he's doing it. And, um, yeah, I think he's, he's found his niche, and I think he's going to be really successful doing it. I mean, that, that's one of the things where um, Rob always struck me as someone who, you know, did the things that, you know, Rob was kind of in, in Rob's world, right? And he would be a yeah, lot different yeah. than uh, a lot of the other guys that, that you'd coach. And, you know, this is no disrespect at all. I, I love Robbie. Uh, but uh, he, he would be a lot different than some of the other guys that you'd coach. How do you, you know, come up with coaching plans for, say, 15 guys and none of those guys are alike? Well, you know, we, we basically... It is a system we have here. Um, it, it is a structured program. It's, um, it is a small group, but I identify what I'm looking for. You know, the mile 3K group is different than the 5K, 10K group. Um, only probably at about 10% of what they do. Everything is a, is a pretty strength-based program here. Um, and then we'll kind of switch it up with talent. We'll switch it up with pace groups. And we just look at, at what we've done, you know, the previous six months, the previous year with each individual, and then we adjust the mileage. Um, we'll adjust the paces, uh, and, and we just talk, and, and we kind of figure out what the goal is. Uh, we can look at, like, last cross season was a pretty solid cross-country season for us, and we had some older guys, and we lined up for indoors, and, and the guys came off cross really well, and we decided, hey, let's take a shot at running really fast. Guys like Zach Harriet, um, you know, he was knocking out, you know, workouts with Robbie, uh, four years ago when he first got here and Zach was a 19-year-old and running 110 miles a week with Robbie and handling it. And then, you know, um, he, he was just a really strong kid, so we just decided, hey, let's just throw down some, some thousands and back up the mileage a little bit and see what happens. And, you know, he went out and ran 13.44 and made the NCAA indoors and then set the school record outdoors and ran 28.40-something as well. Um, but all the guys that we had, our boys were tearing it up at 5 day last year, I think, the NCAA does this cool thing where for each event they take the top four athletes from each school and they do like a basically an average. And Colorado State, where Robbie went to school, um, was the fastest school at 5K indoors last year and we were number two, hmm. which is pretty crazy when you think about like Stanford or Colorado and, and the Michigans and, and those schools. Colorado State and Virginia were, were one and two. And that's just kind of seeing where the athletes are and seeing what's going to work in, in the next phase and maybe see some chances. Um, I've been doing this for 13 years with these guys. I'm still learning, and we're still making adjustments, and we're still trying to figure out some things. But, again, it's just communication and how it works for everybody. And maybe we're a little more patient with some guys. Maybe we're a little bit more aggressive. Um, but we, we make sure no one's ever alienated in, in their own situation where 
um, you know, they're being sacrificed for, for somebody else's benefit. This might be a little bit of pandering to the uh, to the more automotively inclined members of our audience, but you said that you're you're in the car today. Um, judging by the fact that it doesn't sound like you're in the cab of a tractor, it sounds like you've gotten rid of your Land Rover Defender, which is very sad. <laughs> what did you replace yeah. it with? I, I have to know. Oh, I like cars. I got <laughs> I got I got I got some nice cars. Um, definitely not as cool as my uh, my Land Rover Defender, which might have been the most irresponsible and practical purchase I've ever made in my life. Uh, but driving around a uh, right-hand drive, two-wheel, big green Land Rover Defender for a year and a half that you know you could hear from a mile away was was kind of fun. It was it was a blast to have it. And it was it was great till it the engine basically fell out down the road and got a tow to a tow to a, to a garage and the guy said, uh, "Hey, you know, I'll buy this from you or." Uh, you're gonna have to buy a new engine, new thing. So, gave me a bunch of money for the for the truck on the spot, and I, I went and had to go and buy myself a, a new a new little toy. <laughs> uh, are we talking something like a Grand Wagoneer or, or something something equally cool? Or uh, uh, we uh, we got some German cars that we like. So uh, we went we went from roughing it to uh, I got a I got a couple of nice uh, nice rides right now. Nah. Well, the uh, the men's team, I believe they were 14th last year at NCAAs. Uh, do you see a lot of room for improvement this year? I do. I, I, and I think, it, again, it comes down to our, our fifth man, which we've really struggled with in, in the last couple of years. Um, but I, I think we're, I think we can get that solved. You know, I'm looking at a fifth guy right now who's 29-42-14-08 or a 401 miler. Um, we got some depth, and I think this year we're really good through four. Um, we got the three boys back, Lachlan, Brent, and Chase. Uh, you know, Brent last year I think was 41st, just missed All-American. Hmm. But uh, we got three boys who've run 13.56 or faster. Um, we got a really nice transfer, transfer kid from the University of Texas. And then we, we got a really good group of third-year kids here who redshirted their first year. Um, Started to put up some solid marks, but that that third year is when you really start to see these guys turn from kids to, to young men and really kind of reap the benefit. So I think right now I got about nine guys who are going to be fighting for those top seven, and uh, it, everything goes well. You know, I think we're seventh to twelfth, so maybe a little bit better. But once you start, you know, getting in that top fifteen, it's uh, it's for real. <laughs> There's a, a lot of really good things He is Pete Watson. He uh, he is the cross country coach for UVA. Uh, you guys are opening up your season at, at well, really, really opening it up at at Wisco, I believe, is is what you said. But yeah. uh, man, we'll uh, we'll definitely be watching you. And uh, from from one London guy to another, I, I wish you all the best this season, man. And I'll definitely be uh, keeping a close eye, and and maybe we'll have to have you on a little bit later this season too. Yeah, man. No, I really appreciate you reaching out, and this was fun. Anytime, uh, anytime you want to chat. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. A lot of thanks to give out this week. First of all, to Rob Watson for coming through with that music, as well as to our guests, both John and Pete, as well as to Tracky for their ongoing support. If you want to find us online, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at the Terminal Mile. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, Tracky.ca. Big thanks to you for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Music